ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on a laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk pronto Dr. DPHD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals The boys are back in town. The boys in, are back in town. Sorry, I, I was hoping you would do demonetized. that. Demonetized. <laughs> I was hoping you'd do that. Uh, yeah. So I played that song at a wedding one time really? as the bride and groom entered. Well, it was actually post wedding. It was at the uh, what do you call that? The after Re- wedding reception. Reception. Yeah. yeah. I was the music for the reception. And uh, as the bride and groom entered, I did a slow ballad version oh. of the boys are back in town they loved oh, it they still talk about that, it man. they still talk about <laughs> it look who just got back in town today <laughs> simon you're literally you're both the life of the party and the strange guy at the party at the same time <laughs> you know i hate parties and i hate group gatherings um not not that i hate them you know i i, I just I get so drained by them, yeah. you know, and so I will, I will actually have, uh, and Shannon has had to learn to live with this. I have actually like gotten sick just thinking about going to an event and I, it's made me sick and I haven't been able to, to go to certain things. Wow. It's, anyway, it's, yeah, it's I like, know. I know it's, it, but, uh, but Shannon's like, but when you're there, you're like, the life of the party or whatever it's yeah. like well you know i'm putting on a good show but uh yeah yeah, yeah. are you are you mother in this scenario <laughs> like oh man that's <laughs> that's the million dollar question who is mother <laughs> it's true i am mother that's the movie today to discuss pretty good yeah. stuff man lots of things man, here. to me this movie um wraps up like all the stuff i love about sci-fi um it's suspenseful it's chilling it's got really strong themes that sci-fi serves really well you know okay so what's the problem with a lot of just junk sci-fi is that there's no there's no there's nothing we care about this well it's just not intelligent let's just put it that way yeah I was thinking about this just the other day in the shower. Picture that. Okay, let's get a picture. Simon's in the shower. <laughs> Simon's in the His shower. His hair is flowing. Yeah, the, the water, water is down. dripping down. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, but an explicit rating on this is yeah. fine. <laughs> My extremely pale skin is turning red in the hot water. You know, scalding the whole thing. Yep. So. uh but I was thinking about how um, certain sci-fi improves upon the original, such as the, in my opinion, Star Trek Next Generation is a huge improvement upon the original Star Trek. And we can argue all day about, oh, do you like those characters better than these characters or, or what have you, Kirk versus Picard, all those kind of nerdy mm-hmm. things. But when it comes to it, storytelling, you know, Next Generation, one of the greatest sci-fi series of all time if not the greatest in my opinion just 
on the strength of its storytelling. So uh, why do did the latest reboots of Star Trek, why do they all suck? <laughs> because they're all trying to be action franchises. They are. And they're not telling interesting stories. Yeah, they're trying to be. There's nothing interesting. Uh, Yeah, in space. (laughs) Yeah, there's just nothing interesting about the stories being told. Did they make three in the last? Yeah, I watched them all. Honestly, it's just bad. Honestly, I I did watch them all, and like I think most people, I was initially fooled by the first one. Yeah, yeah, I was. I, I was initially fooled by it. There was uh, the, lots of uh, um, light flares. Yeah, <laughs> <you know>? light flares. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very exciting. And it, we saw Kirk is very young and, right. and all these kind of things. Yeah. And then and, and, and watching it, you know, as just a pure popcorn movie. Fine. Yeah. Totally fine. I, I actually don't have a real problem with that first reboot Star Trek movie as just a purely popcorn sci-fi movie. Yeah. But when you try to say, is it telling a compelling story in the tradition of the Star Trek universe? Yeah. No, no absolutely no, no. not. No, no. no. <laughs> the no. big fat negative. And I think J.J. Abrams, to his credit and to his demise in my mind is really good at that he's really good at it's like you feel like you you've been set up for something exciting and then you realize oh actually that was just kind of dumb yeah yeah (laughs) most definitely yeah Yeah, it's like oh man that that seemed that felt really exciting like for a, a brief moment and then i sat back in my chair and i was like Oh, that was really dumb. That actually. was bad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And then they kind of do that, too. It's like you're like, oh, you're getting Chris Pine as Captain Kirk. You know, you're you getting can't Zoe argue Saldana, with the cast. Right. Yeah, you getting, can't argue like, with that. Let's cast. just be honest. It's a way more attractive cast than the original. <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> like they put you the candy in. They put a lot of candy in there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, OK, like, this well, is, and, and, part of and, and yeah, and they put in actors that, frankly, can 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 give us, you know, uh, at least close to an Oscar-worthy performance over spilled milk. Exactly. So yeah, once milk again, urban, you know, like yeah. So once again, you're kind of fooled by the strength of the actors yes. and the great job that they're doing, and then you kind of forget that oh, what I'm watching is really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's really dumb. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know how many other directors working today rely more on contrivance and convenience than J.J. Abrams. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just sometimes it's just like the laziest writing I can possibly <laughs> think of. I mean, let me just not to pick on it and we won't dwell on it, but just to say the difference between good sci-fi and bad sci-fi. Okay. I am mother. Can you think of anything in that movie that after you watched it, you sat back and thought about it felt contrived or a matter of pure chance or convenience? No, no, everything, 
it's like you might even be accusing the movie of something like that as you're watching it. But then once you've watched the movie all the way through and you realize, and I don't want to give too many spoilers. I want people to go watch it. But once you realize what has really gone on, you're just like, Oh yeah, this is actually, and I felt like this the whole way. Honestly, I felt like this is one of the most intelligent scripts I've watched in a while, at least. Right. Um, and then compare that to James Kirk being <laughs> thrown off of his ship. You know, Spock, I think, if I remember yeah. correctly, he like, so they put him in some like pod and they threw him on some ice planet. Yeah. And it just so happens to be where Spock just so happens. The to old be. Yeah. Spock is. That's and when, uh, and on this entire, okay. So we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a series that that spans galaxies, right? Exactly. So, so Spock could literally be anywhere in multiple galaxies. Yes. You know. Yeah. The odds <laughs> are extreme, extreme low. <laughs> and then on just the planet, what are the odds that Kirk lands and then goes to a cave I where know. Spock? I mean, it's like you're watching it and you're kind of wrapped up in the excitement of it. And then you sit back and you're just like, man, that was really stupid. Yeah. Well, I don't want really you to question it during the time you're watching it. You're like, I have you here now. So like, you know, pacing keeps you from pacing. questioning too much yes. because it's just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Once again, compare that to uh, the movies made with the original cast of Star Trek. Very few scenes of anybody running anywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's because those movies are about grown-ups making grown-up decisions. Yeah, for sure. And this reboot series is about children acting like children. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what no, it is. No, no, it's true. It's it feels true. like teenagers acting like who, who've been put in charge of a star a starship. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And, and there's lots that, of sexual overtone. Everybody's very horny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're going to make Spock really like a love machine, man. And this thing, he's, he's yeah. really into it, man. <laughs> man, I, I tell you, I, I, these reboot series, whether you're talking about Star Trek, They're Star the worst, Wars, or whatever, they, they just... They're garbage. They, well, they just... They, they just do those characters dirty yeah and i don't even mean with like sexually i i, I just mean they, they they just stab those characters in the back I agreed agreed it's like yeah they're trying to say it's a new take on the character or whatever there's no it's way like, man it's a betrayal it's not it's a it's betrayal a it's a betrayal of the character totally agree know? i was literally it's just a... saying this to michelle the other day i was like i don't like any reboots i, I don't i'm trying to think what reboot i liked of anything i'm like it's not there for me I don't know. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm trying to not like it. Let me just be clear. I'm not trying to not like it. It's just when I see it, I'm just like, what is this? Like, is, shouldn't the reboot feel good? Like, be like a oh, a nostalgic thing. None of that exists. None of that. If you just go to Star Wars and you, whether you're talking about the oh, prequels no. or the sequels, <laughs> I, I won't go on a long tangent. I'm just making. I'm just making a statement that. <laughs> I, I can't imagine anybody on planet Earth who wanted to like those movies more. <laughs> right. And because of how much I wanted to love those movies, there's probably nobody who was more disappointed yeah, yeah. 
yeah. with those movies than I was. Be yeah. I mean, just because it just like like we said, it just felt like it, it, it didn't feel like an expansion of the original characters in the original universe. Yeah. It, it just felt like a betrayal of those things. Yeah, and and when, when you're watching those things and, and, you know, it's just like, I, I just don't understand where those things go so wrong. Well, I do. And, and that's why I want to bring it up because <laughs> yeah. it's always in the writing. Of course it is. And so you have to start from a good script to begin with. And that's where I am mother is just leaps and bounds ahead of most sci-fi. Yeah. Because from the get-go, it started with a good script. And I'm not talking about a good premise. People mistake that all the time. Right, right. They mistake a good script for a good premise. It's like, wasn't that an interesting premise? It's like, yeah, but they didn't do anything with it. Right, exactly. And there's plenty of good premise like based movies like you read it and you're like wow this should be really good yeah and you watch you're like this is horrible <laughs> like this lid did not live up to what they said it was gonna be you know yeah or there's a lot of movies where if you were to just describe the premise to somebody it wouldn't sound very interesting yeah but the execution and the right in the script writing and, and everything made it interesting yeah. so you know if i were to give a one sentence preview for somebody for, of I am mother, I would say, you know, it is about a, um, a, an Android who is raising a young girl to someday repopulate planet earth. Um, some people might find that premise really intriguing. Other people might say that doesn't sound interesting yeah. at all. You know, and, oh, and and ninety nine percent of the movie occurs within mm -hmm. like two rooms and a right, hallway this compound. Yeah, the little that yeah, room, yeah. <laughs> and it'd be but like still well, very interesting. Doesn't yeah. sound very interesting. <laughs> Some people might say that doesn't sound very yeah. interesting. You know, another movie that I would compare to this one uh, was the Cloverfield. Movie oh yeah, with yeah. John Goodman. Yes, when they the were bunker. down in the bunker. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, actually very similar to this one in the, in the, these respects. You got three characters throughout the entire film. You're you're kind of wondering what's really going on. Yeah. And if the good guy's a good guy, if the bad guy's a bad guy, if the, there's somewhere yeah. in between, you know. And uh, you know, like, like that Cloverfield movie. John Goodman, make, he he does Man. some bad stuff. Yeah, he, he does, does some, some bad, bad stuff. stuff. Yeah, he does some bad stuff. But you could make an argument that he's a good person who's just been driven crazy. Yeah. You know, be, yeah. out of fear of what's going on outside. Yeah. You know, and so is he a villain? Maybe he's a, yeah, he's he's the villain of the movie, but is, does he have horrific intentions maybe not maybe he's just trying to keep people say you know i i just yeah think of course it's 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 a you can have a debate about it you can have a debate yeah and most of it takes place inside like you said but there is a point where like in both movies there you get outside yeah and then you start learning some things yeah when you finally happens. get outside yeah. and um unfortunately for me anyway that's where that cloverfield movie because it got fun it was weird at that point it's like 
yeah if you haven't like, watched well, it it's just I, you I know it's like i didn't need a uh 30 foot monster <laughs> like big thing. yeah exactly yeah, I, I didn't i didn't need that <laughs> it picks it up and it's like, <laughs> it's like you know i could have done without that scene completely the very very end where she sees the fighting going on in yeah. the distance and she decides to join the fighting i, I think if i remember correctly yeah. she drives toward the fighting skip the big monster skip fight the monster and yeah. just go right to that i would have been totally happy yeah, with same, that same with that ending yeah you know? um but you know it cloverfield so they had to throw a big monster of course yeah. you know most definitely <laughs> i actually yeah. have never seen uh i think there's two other cloverfield i didn't see the other one the, no, i didn't i stopped I've, I've going past it. that i was like i'm done here yeah <laughs> I, I, I didn't see the original one with that I saw all, the original one yeah I, I never saw that one um I, I'll be honest with you I only watched that one because John Goodman yeah I'm a big like, John Goodman guy John Goodman maybe uh, you know when I watched the preview I was like John Goodman kind of going crazy in a bunker that sounds yeah. good yeah that sounds good yeah, he's an excellent <laughs> actor yeah I yeah I think he's a national treasure mm -hmm. I mean Name a movie where putting John Goodman in it won't make it better. It's just you know? awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's played so many different kinds of roles. He's been the villain. He's been the good guy. He's been, you know, kind. He's been mean. He's, you know, he's just one of those characters who can do it all. He can yes. do he can do it all. Yeah. And I really I just really love that about him. Yeah. You know? And he like has versatility. And he has done it all. He has done it. I appreciate that about him. And he's done it as, as like a a 300 pound, six foot four yeah. guy or something like that, which is not easy to do. No. It's not easy to get cast consistently in big, important roles. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. you get like a little role here or there, you know, but but he's somebody that, you know, Hollywood actually took seriously. You know, which yeah. I really appreciate about him because yeah. it would have been easy for him, his career to have begun and ended with the Roseanne Barr show. Of course, you know, the TV of course. Show. Um, but he, he's gone on to just do amazing. He's just stuff. an incredible actor. I appreciate everything he does. And a big shout out, John Goodman. He looked like he lost a lot of weight because I saw him in a, a series, I think Monarch on Apple TV. And I was like, whoa like yeah wow i've been meaning i've been meaning to check weight, that man. series out mainly i stopped watching of... it man i had to stop watching yeah. oh did you it was, it was boring good? to me it was yeah. just boring like i don't know you know when they start to make a series out of something like that i'm like i start to question it's like do you really have enough good ideas to create a series yeah or are you just dragging something out that should have been just a, a it's just a, a movie film? Yeah, yeah it, sh it should have been a two hour movie and but you stretch it out to eight or 12 hours and you know, a wasted time, honestly, just uh, almost budget. like budget. And yeah. Budget. <laughs> and you know, those things I know, like, I like you, I like dialogue, I enjoy blowing up stuff too. But it, <laughs> I don't like when there's a lot of dialogue, and it just doesn't mean anything to me. It's just boring. I'm just like, just get, get, I don't want this. I, I... Dialogue's only good when it's interesting. And yeah. when it's when it's propelling the characters forward yes. in their journey that's when dialogue is is interesting yeah. if it's just people i mean if you go back to I, i'm using these examples because they're really obvious okay yeah. 
the J.J. Abrams mystery box or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know his whole know. thing with yeah. that, where it's like, and it's the biggest, pardon my French, but it's the biggest bunch of bullshit. Yeah. To sure. me, the J.J. Abrams mystery box means I don't actually know where I'm going. <laughs> And I don't know how to how to actually do any of this. Yeah. So instead, I'm just going to leave everybody wishing that I had done something, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, and I can't blame everything on J.J. Abrams, but, you know, like that first Star Wars movie that he directed, he set up a lot of stuff that never went anywhere. Sure. Yeah. It never, you know, and, and, and. Honestly, it was like there was no plan for it to go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, if there had been a plan, it would have gone somewhere. <laughs> you know, but there was no plan, so it didn't go anywhere. And that's when it's like, why did you even do a trilogy? Yeah. Just make one really good movie. Right. I Am Mother. I, I never want to see an I Am Mother Part 2. I don't want to see an <laughs> I Am Mother prequel. I don't want any of that shit. The movie I Am Mother, <laughs> to me, is a, a nearly perfect movie, and it needs no prequel, no sequel. I totally agree. And like I said like earlier, there's a lot of themes in there. I know you had sent something to me on text and um, kind of with those four boxes. And I always thought, too, yeah. like watching that movie is one of the things I like sci-fi so much. I'm a big sci-fi fan just because I believe that there's a lot of room for exploring some really deep and complex themes about being alive and exploration yeah. and what does it mean to be human um what does it mean to create things you know almost this kind of deity like behavior what does it yeah. mean to explore unknown places and things and so i think in many ways it it it, it encompasses some of those themes and the themes, even just the theme of a robot, an AI raising a human child, how does it know? Like, yeah. what would be the best way to raise a child? You know, it says one of the most interesting lines of the whole movie because it feels because when you think about the movie as a whole and how the line references multiple characters in multiple ways. When the android mother says, um, "It, the 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 girl that she's raising has asked why she doesn't have any siblings," yeah. and the mother's response was, "It takes a long time to learn how to be a good mother." Yeah. And as the movie <laughs> unfolds and 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 when it ends, you realize how many layers of meaning right. that that one statement had, and it was just like, "Wow." I mean, this that that's what good storytelling does. Yeah. Where, where it's like in most movies, that line might not have meant much or anything. Right. It might, you know, but in a really great script like I Am Mother, it has layers of meaning that you know you could sit around talking about for hours. Yeah. You know, most definitely. Even the title, and that's what I love about sci-fi too. Yeah. You know, it's like we can sit here and talk about I Am Mother. And because we have three characters in the movie. Yeah. And all three of those characters at certain points throughout the film can say, I am mother, or they can say they are trying to inhabit that yeah. role. 
Right. And it's it's just brilliant. It is brilliant. It's just brilliant. Um, uh, th- those are the things I really, really appreciate. I, I watched somebody do a, um, you know, the movie Fury, the tank yeah. movie with mm-hmm. the, yeah. 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 Brad Pitt. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great movie. Love that movie. Anyway, there was a film critic who was just talking about how one of the ways that the, that movie succeeds where so many other movies fail is that it doesn't leave the premise and it always makes the premise interesting and the premise is the tank that doesn't sound interesting to me back to what we were saying before (laughs) okay guys spending the entire movie in a sherman tank i'm sorry (laughs) that doesn't sound that interesting (laughs) to me but you go watch that movie Mm. and you see how what great filmmaking how great great filmmaking is done yes Yes. In keeping to that one premise, the tank. And you learn so many things about the tank. You learn its strengths and weaknesses. You yep. learn its, you know, how the enemy combatants can, you know, are, are some of them are useless against the tank. Others can be really, they can take it down really easily, yeah. you know. So, I mean, all this stuff. Super, super interesting stuff. And uh, I Am Mother succeeds in that as well, where throughout the, you know, twists and turns of, of the movie, it never forgets its premise, which is it right there in the title. Yep. I Am, I am Mother. Mother. Yep. Yeah. And so um, anyway, just I'm trying not to gush too much about this movie because yeah. I really want to just overly praise this this yeah movie, maybe yeah and and maybe it's not overly praising but i i don't want people to go out and, and watch it and be like i don't know why he was so excited <laughs> <laughs> we're used to simon bagging movies all right it was like <laughs> i bag on most movies because they're not as good as i am mother <laughs> well let me ask you this so a lot of movies and i've seen a lot of them basically tell the story of some version of apocalypse AI based apocalypse and this dystopian future, things of that nature. What makes this different to you than those other movies that kind of center around those themes? For me, a lot of sci-fi tries to incorporate some kind of biblical creationist mm. references and things like that. Mm. I am mother succeeds in its subtlety in doing that. I mean, if you really break down I am mother, you could you could do a really solid breakdown of comparing I am mother to Genesis. Mm. And especially the first couple, you know, like yeah. two or three chapters of Genesis. You have I'll just point out a couple of them that are are fairly obvious and won't be such big spoilers, but you have a sentient AI who is learning how to care for humans. That's like the first couple chapters of Genesis. It literally is. (laughs) You have a sentient being who is learning how to care for humans. You have humans who are... um, quite satisfied or seemingly quite satisfied in their existence, except 
that they haven't expanded the family. That's the only thing that's missing in both of these stories. Yeah. And then you have some another character who comes in and, you know, in one story you have the snake who's saying, hey, take the apple. And yeah. in this story you have Hilary Swank's character come in yeah. and does a real number on the, the reality mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of our main protagonist. And uh, this is got, this is a huge spoiler, and, and I'm sorry if, if people plug your ears for the next ten seconds if you don't <laughs> want to hear this spoiler. But in both stories, in Genesis and in I Am Mother, the snake and Hilary Swank's character are both put in place by the omnipotent being, mm -hmm. the omnipresent being. And they have a very specific purpose for being placed in the garden. Right. Now, depending on what sect of Christianity or Judaism or whatever, you have different ideas of, is the snake good, bad? You know, is it Satan? Is it not Satan? Blah, 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 blah. Was it a snake that used to have legs or, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> So there's a lot of ways to interpret these things, but um, my art, and it was so funny because I was just writing about this and then I watched I Am Mother and I was just like, man, this was, this actually is a really great example of the thing I was writing about, which was that if you want to say that the snake was evil or a representation of temptation or Thank sin you, or evil of all these things, God put the snake in there, so God wanted it there. If God didn't want the snake there, it wouldn't have been there. Right. That's, I mean, if you're talking about an all-powerful, perfect being who created everything, then the snake is there because God wanted it to be there. Yeah. So, in other words, what I'm saying is that God wants mischief mm. he wants there to be uh if you want to call it evil i think evil is a way too simplistic term mm. what i what i would rather say is that god wants complexity mm. i like that yeah and too often in my opinion what various religions or sects of religions are trying to do is steal away from the complexity that God wants in our lives. Most definitely. And and this is always fought against, I think, in many different sects of religion is like, no, no, there can't be a lot of nuance to this. This, yeah. there, no, no, we're not doing that. This is black and white. This is what Either it or. is. Either yeah. or, yeah, there's no middle ground on this <laughs> you know yeah so i love that i love that we learn that hillary swank's character is there because the robot wants her there mm -hmm. she has yep. a very specific use and she is trying to and man like i say this more spoilers but it just has okay. to be said because it's just so interesting that you know when the mother says it takes or when the android says it takes a long time to learn how to be a mother she wasn't talking about herself she was talking about raising the the girl right. to be a mother and right. that was her intent from the get-go is the robot evil 
is it the antagonist? Only in as much as God is the antagonist when he floods the earth in the story right. of Noah. So, you know, it, it, this is why this movie is so great. I mean, I think a lot of people could watch this movie and not clue into any of that stuff oh, that, yeah, I, that we're talking sure. about right now. Most you could definitely. just watch it and you're just not, you know, thinking yeah. about it. And you, you, because the movie is so good just on its own without any of these For classical sure. references yeah. and stuff like that, you don't need to 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 be comparing it to to the bible or, right. or anything like that for this movie to just be great you know yeah. it's great on its own but once you start drawing in those comparisons all of a sudden you're just like man every character and there's only three exactly. <laughs> but all three of those characters become so much more complex and so much more interesting because you're seeing it's like, like what the, the themes, like, like you were saying, the, the, the many, many complex themes that this movie yeah. is playing with. But it's, it's not in your face. It never preaches at you. No. It never, it, that nobody has a long soliloquy about, <laughs> you know, this, you know, like how this is wrong or this is right or anything like that. No, it's just everybody feels real. It, isn't it weird to talk about an android feeling real? I think that's the few that's kind of the fear and excitement of creation yeah. is the 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 realness of how the creator feels about the thing it creates and the nuanced feeling of what what that would be like i mean think about and when you're a parent in many ways you have that same feeling you're like yeah what are you <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what we, we we repeat this thing all the time one of my kids was it sunny or it was either sunny or adriana one of them i i think they just looked up at somebody at one point when they were first learning how to talk as toddlers and stuff like that they were yeah. putting their sentences together and they looked up at somebody and said what you are <laughs> And I just love that. And so I say that all the time. I look at one of my kids, especially when they've done something really stupid, yeah. like, what you are. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, you know, people, this is kind of, this is sci-fi too. It's like, I've said this to a lot of people. I said, you know, we want to think of like, what would it like to make, be like to make first contact with alien civilization? Yeah. In a sense, like a sentient robot would be a very similar idea. I said, but you really don't have to wait for that. If you're a parent, you have had first contact because your child is an alien. It has no bearing of what this planet is like, what this reality is, and everything That's they really experience good. is literally like they come from another planet. I mean, if you really think about it, That's you good. know, you are you have experienced first contact, and it's frustrating and and amazing at the same time. I don't think I invented this idea, but I can't trace it to any one source. But I was thinking about this uh, very recently, how um, take your atheist scientist and your um, non-science believing religious person, sure. just, just to have two extremes. Well, they have something in common. Both of them believe that the actual reality of what's going on is unseen. Yeah. So everything that's actually happening happening 
in ourselves, we don't see any of it. Yeah. We don't see any of it. And and so whether you believe that's a spiritual thing or whether you just believe in biology and these right. are all biological processes and things like that, uh, ultimately it's the same that the reality of our universe is completely unseen by us, but we think we see it, <laughs> but we don't. It's so true. I, I compare it to if you stand on the beach and you look out on the ocean, you see a lot of ocean, you but you've really seen none of it. Right. Yeah. It's like the iceberg. You see the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much underneath it that you yeah. don't experience. And I think with like these, like if you think about androids, humans, and some people may look, it was like, may think of the theme, well, how could a sentient robot know how to raise a human being? I'm like, well, there's a lot of human beings who don't know how to raise a human being. <laughs> like, like, what's the difference? You're feeding, you're all receiving information. Yeah. And if you receive enough information over a long period of time, you start developing ideas about what should and should not be done. That's what a baby does you, over time and grows up. You feed it information. It starts thinking on its own. Doesn't this sound like a robot? <laughs> like, and then it starts making decisions based off of the data you fed it or it has been fed throughout its existence. Yeah. For that. It's Remember kinda, short circuit? Right. <laughs> Need meltdown. more data. <laughs> I'm so hungry. <laughs> like, yeah. Why are you always hungry all the time? Come on. It's like, <laughs> geez, man. <laughs> You know, in, in short circuit, Johnny number five, he only had something like 512 <laughs> megabytes of CPU. <laughs> it's so great, right? But back then, that sounded huge. Like, like a massive this guy, amount. This, this guy's got a whole brain. But He's no. got a whole brain. <laughs> yeah. Like our our modern computers can't even run off of 512 no, megabytes no. of CPU. Well, you know, Johnny <laughs> five is alive it. now. You know, he's yeah, alive. That's true. <laughs> Johnny Five is alive. Is alive. <laughs> Man, I loved that movie when I was a kid. Me too. Gosh. I was. I haven't Gosh. watched it since then. I almost don't want to because if it's bad, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I I know it's a silly movie. I know. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's in the eighties. It's got Steve Gutenberg. Right. It's you know, it's it's a silly movie. Silly. It's yeah. it's just silly. But uh, what I think that goes in the bin of um ridiculous 80s movies that have a surprising amount of heart yeah yeah i agree with that most you know you, you, I, I put it in the same category as like a harry and the hendersons yeah oh love where, that movie john yeah, lithgow man where it's love like this guy. is this is an absolutely ridiculous movie <laughs> but i'm crying i'm crying it's so i'm good. crying right now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well that you guys we talked about 80s are so good with that and yeah. uh, I think that's why my daughter has a huge affection for 80s movies, probably because a lot like you do with your kids, you show them these movies. They they feel so connected to that. And I think they're just starved for it in today's movie making. It's just not there. You know? Even in the most ridiculous 80s movies. Well, I, I, I should say the ones that we're talking about, the yeah. ones that are that succeed in yeah. what they're doing. They have a lot of heart to them because the moments where, like the Harry and the Hendersons, that ending yeah. where he's, oh, man. he's saying about Harry, yeah. but he's, he's having to do it with tough love. A lot of tough love, yeah. It's earned. 
that moment is earned. We've been leading up to it for 90 minutes. That's right. And the moment is earned. That's what's missing from most movies that that just don't succeed because yeah. they try to put these moments in, but those they don't earn the moment. They, they totally don't agree. It. Totally agree. You hit that nail right on the head. And that heart is really what connects humans. It's like that thing you feel that wells up inside of you. And I think that's really well done in sci-fi when like, especially with robotics, if you can make, if you anthropomorphize the robot, it starts to, you start to feel something for it and the environment. And it makes sense because we anthropomorphize almost everything in life, even if yeah. it's like an inanimate object, you, you humans have this strange ability to love almost anything, even if it's not alive. Yeah. Like in the sense, you know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, we will take something and place value into it and create emotion for that. That's why I always think this, Simon, humans have no clue what's coming when other humans create uh, human-like androids that are indistinguishable from other people. You might say, well, I'm, I don't know. I, maybe I won't, I would never fall in love with something like that. I'm like, no, you will. Yeah. No, you will. You, will. you fall you in will. love with your dog. Yeah. I mean, you love, <laughs> people love literally inanimate objects. Some people love their car. Like it's a real person. Yeah. Like literally. <laughs> like, you, I mean, I mean that, that's full circle back to the 80s. Like how yeah. many movies in the 80s are about <laughs> guys loving their, their cars? Guys loving the cars, man. <laughs> <laughs> giving it a name, calling it she. Yeah. You know, giving it. Polishing it with a diaper, you know. Diapers, I mean, like, yeah. oh, my baby. You know, it's like, <laughs> you will fall in love with an android in the future yeah. as a human. It's inevitable. I, I, I've tried to, and, and, and I want to preface this by saying that I have completely failed, but I have tried to rid myself of that involving inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. and, and it just goes back to the philosophy that it's all rock and roll. So I try to tell myself, uh, okay, what, you know, what would happen if somebody stole these guitars back here right, or whatever? Right. I mean, I have a real connection with some of these guitars, you know, not, not because of that they are a guitar or anything, but it's because of the creativity that they allow me to uh, express. Yeah. And so, uh, all right, well, let's say they were stolen or the house burnt down, I lost them all. Okay, uh, just go get another guitar, it's fine. Yeah. They were just guitars, who cares? I, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what's special about them? Oh. I used that guitar on that song and that was a really great song <laughs> or whatever. It's like, who cares? I could have done it with any other guitar. That's true. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, that's yeah. uh, to say that the object through which I'm creating or, or the tool I'm using to create is so important to the creation that I couldn't have created without it is to diminish my own ability to create. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, mm, I mean, tools are important. I'm not going to diminish tools, but you know, if I lost that tool, I just go get another tool yeah. or you build another tool or you create another, you know, I mean, it's just, there's nothing special. There's yeah. nothing special about it. It's so interesting though, how people create superstition out of tools and yeah. give meaning to a tool or an inanimate thing that yeah. it is the reason 
Yeah, that, the, the cliche success. of the the athlete who doesn't wash their yeah, jersey or yeah. stuff like that. You know, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> no, that's not helping, man. You, you just, Only this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like, <laughs> um, are you an athlete or are you just? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, connected to this one bat or whatever. I don't know. That'd <laughs> be weird. It'd be like it'd be like LeBron James saying, "This is the only ball we can play with." Yeah, you know? like it's very special to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like... <laughs> I want. I want to. I want to grab something. One second. I'm... Yeah, yeah. Go right. for it, man. This is an intermission right now. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking about Simon's guitars when he was saying when we were talking about that intermission. I was actually thinking about that. I was I saying, I, I was thinking about your guitars when I was looking okay. back about that. All right. Yeah. So I wanted to hold this. I wanted to hold this one up real quick because this is a one of a kind guitar. Mm -hmm. Ta-da. Beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful guitar. It's one of a kind because it was a prototype guitar. Uh, they ended up changing the headstock on the production run of the guitar so that the tuners are six in a row instead of mm -hmm. three on each side of the headstock. Um, it has this trim system on it that uh, the guy who used to make these trends, he, he retired, so they don't make them anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I put in different pickups. This is a custom made pick guard uh, that a friend of mine made for me um, because the original was black and I wanted to add some, some, something right. to it, you know? So anyway, all in all, this is a one-of-a-kind guitar. Nobody on the planet owns a guitar like this. Um, the first week I was in possession of this guitar, and you won't be able to see it because of the resolution of the, the camera yeah. and everything. One of my children, and this is, gosh, how long ago is this? This has got to be going like 14 years ago or okay. something like that. Close to that. Ago. Yeah. 12, 14 years ago. The first week I have it, it's on a stand. And one of my kids knocks it over and it just goes crashing into it. The drum kit. Yeah. Luckily, it's a well-built guitar. It's totally fine, but it's got paint chips and stuff like that from crashing literally into a crash cymbal. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and when I sat there and watched it happen, it was like in slow motion, right? <laughs> My one of a kind, only one of a kind guitar. And I sat there and watched this thing happen. And then I picked it up and I looked at the paint chips and thought, now it's even more one of a kind. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? I mean, what can you do? You know, can't so, do yeah, it, so, but that was another one of those moments that helped me. It's so funny. It's like our kids teach us through the chaos that they create. Yes. How to focus on what matters. Yeah. What mattered in that moment was not that my guitar got damaged. What mattered in that moment was my response. Yeah. To my guitar getting damaged. Right. Did I care about the guitar getting damaged more than I care about my own children? Yeah. And how they would feel, of, you know, if I get angry and all these kinds of things, and especially if I'm too angry about it. It's mm -hmm. okay to demonstrate anger sure. and disappointment and all those things to our children. It's necessary. It's good. But if I were to demonstrate that I cared more about the guitar than them, right now, now I've, I've really lost 
you know, view of what's important in life. So anyway, that was just my little <laughs> example yes. of no, how yeah. I've in my own life have, have been working toward uh, trying to not care about inanimate <laughs> objects and keep my eye on what's important in life. That's right. There's no cars that uh, Simon is like, oh, baby, it's <laughs> a Simonette. <laughs> there's there's two things in life I hate spending money on, and those are cars and computers. <laughs> cars, the two C's. Huh? Yeah. Oh, the C words. <laughs> C words. Damn it. <laughs> I I hate having to update computers. It's one of the biggest headaches, yeah. especially because. But it's so important to my own creativity and sure. sound, photography and videography. I have to be somewhat up to date on a lot of things. Right. Um. And of course, in this day and age, we got to keep our computers up to date just for security and not being hacked and all these kinds mm -hmm. of things. But I tell you, man, I just updated this machine and I updated some of the different software and stuff on it. Ever since then, I've just been trying to like figure out bugs and, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> it's crashing randomly. You know, <laughs> cer certain programs are crashing yeah, of randomly. Course. Yeah. It's just, oh, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, updates are supposed to make it better, not worse. Yeah. But... <laughs> That's what's actually amazing about like movies when they forecast like AI being so intelligent, so thoughtful, and all this stuff. I'm like, how could that even be close to our future? I mean, we can't even get computers to work well half the time. I'm like, is this like you do an update? It's like, well, yeah. the internet, the, the Wi-Fi doesn't work anymore on this way. <laughs> it's like, I, I just think our we I think we yearn for a future, especially a lot of creators of technology where this, oh, this is amazing how far we've come. But I think we're always bad at predicting the future. We're so bad yeah. at it. I mean, didn't yeah. everybody think when we were growing up? Gonna be flying cars in the 2000s. I know. It's yeah. like 2000 gonna be the Jetsons. It's like, can you imagine the nightmare Hover, that hoverboards? Oh, yeah. It's like self drying clothing. Oh, that, I mean, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> it would be. I mean, I'm just uh, saying. It's cool Those stuff, but it never arrives. Thought. There's never an arrival at the time you think. It's like a construction no, project. No. The contractor tells you it's gonna be done in six months. Plan for a year, man. You know, it's not gonna be six months. It's like, Nothing ever comes yeah. to fruition in the timing you think it's going to come for that. That's so why I always roll my eyes whenever anybody talks about the second coming and, you know, the end know. is not. And all this shit. I'm like, I you know what? Know. Jesus thought the end, you know, that he, he, he literally, if you, a lot of people don't read the Bible, they just think they know it. <laughs> if you actually read the Bible, Jesus thought he's coming back in like a week. I mean, he honestly did. The apostle Paul that and let's face it most protestant churches they base their entire theology on paul yeah they don't care about james they they hardly care about the gospels and yeah. and i know that sounds really harsh but i'm just telling you right now go break down the preaching that's done at most um protestant churches yeah. and they follow paul they don't actually follow yeah. jesus they follow paul so, but Paul literally thought that he would not die, that he yeah. would live to see the resurrection. And in his own words, they'd be changed in the twinkling of an eye. He thought he's going to be one of those people who gets changed in the twinkling of an eye yeah. from this mortal state to immortal. Uh, yeah, so all those guys were wrong. 2,000 years later, no yeah. second coming. So how about yeah. everybody just stop 
talking about how we're in the end times. So, <laughs> I know. I mean, just you just, just don't know. I mean, just come just, on. Just shut up about it. Yeah. You know, just... I, that, that's what I say. I just like, <laughs> just shut up. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. At Jesus all. didn't even know. I, I mean, <laughs> to Jesus's credit. He actually said, no one knows, but the father. Right. He said, I, he that's said, right. I don't even know. Only the father yeah. knows. Uh, but he was working under the assumption that his second coming would be very soon after his yeah. death and resurrection. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, even, the... even, even Jesus was at minimum 2000 years old, <laughs> at uh, minimum. Even, if he, even if he came back today, right now, as I'm speaking, <laughs> he was about 2000 years off of his original <laughs> prediction. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is why, you know, saying this is going to happen in this year and the singularity is going to occur. It's like, you don't know. 2029, isn't that like pretty soon? I'm like, yeah, I didn't even get a working yeah, prototype of a, a mother robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should be caring about we should be caring about that our grandchildren have clean air, clean water and clean yeah. food. That's right. what we should be caring. I about. totally agree. I totally because th those things are actual concerns. Yes, yes. <laughs> you it was know. actually mentioned. Funny you mentioned like oh the, these church that doesn't follow Jesus they follow Paul. I'm like I'd actually surmise that a lot of churches don't follow Jesus. That sorry, it's a bold take, but <laughs> if you look at all the tremendous thousands and thousands of sects of uh, Christianity. I mean, take for an instance, like there's a great documentary out called Let Us Pray, but spelled P-R-E-Y. And it's about the IFB church, individual fundamentalist Baptists. The rabid Baptists, okay. Baptists have returned. Yeah. And, you know, David Hiles, whoever uh, created this, as he thought it was not conservative enough that. <laughs> was I, not I've, I've never been to a Baptist church that wasn't conservative enough. Right. And this guy thought this is not conservative. conservative enough. And it's a, it's it's just very sad, actually, the whole and there's they're everywhere. They're all over the United States. But it's essentially a, like a super over the top. It's like Old Testament on steroids type of we need to interpret this exactly as you think it is type of thing. They are not following Jesus. No way. No. I mean, that's no, just no. one example of a lot of yeah. churches. There's not a lot of places that are actually following the teachings of Jesus, because if it was, it would be just be way nicer. Yeah. <laughs> be a lot more um, smiling and yeah, you hugging. know, it's like, you know, I mean, it would just there would be a lot more accepting of people with yeah. uh, different ideas and, and, yeah. you know, and, and things like that, you know, uh, and the guy filled up wine in a barrel. That's pretty good for me, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Pretty incredible. To to anyone's credit, I will give um, this caveat that it's incredibly difficult to really follow Jesus because to our point we were making earlier, Jesus is very complex. Yes, totally. He taught he taught some very simple ways to. Uh, live life, but those, if you take those simple teachings to their logical conclusion, very complex in how they actually pan out and how they and how they affect our own lives as somebody yes. who is 
trying to follow those teachings. Extremely complex, not always for the betterment of, at least immediately, for the betterment of ourselves or or those around us, you know. Um, And and to me, that's when I when when I think, oh, we might be on to something here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love Buddhism so much. Yeah, Buddhism embraces complexity. Yeah, it really does, and uh, the you know it, it tries to once again simplify things so that there we have concepts that we can grasp onto sure. um but when we talk about the consequences of actually following buddhist or christian precepts we're talking about an extremely complex way of life changing of life if i were to really follow jesus i would sell everything i have that's give true it to the poor. right Every single thing I have, yeah, I'd sell it all, give all that money to the poor, and I would be a homeless disciple of Jesus. That is actually following Jesus, right? Because so I just I'm dropped here to tell everything you right now. I, I don't do it. Yeah, I don't do that either. I'm not just <laughs> dropping everything. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like come with me. No, now <laughs> yeah. we're done here. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That was kind of the expectation that Jesus gave people. However, he he said that, but at the same time, he, he you know he, he hung out with you know the sinners. And, I mean, these yeah, are very course. simplistic terms yeah, and stuff like tax that. Tax collectors, all that. Yeah. And he didn't go around telling everybody they had to do that. Here, here's That's we've fine. mentioned this before. We've mentioned this before, that so many of Jesus's really extreme kind of teachings are in private to a singular person. But when he's talking to crowds and stuff like that, he doesn't No, there's none of this. You have to sell everything and and that's true. Give it all to the poor. No, you just you just have to be a good person who's helpful and kind and who, who is willing to go out of your way for somebody in need it doesn't require everything of you, but it does require something of you. That's the complexity you mentioned earlier, I think. That's what I feel like I'm tracking with it, like you were saying about the snake, and some people may say that's evil. So I think God just wants complexity. And I think Jesus taught the complexity. Because if it was not that, it would be uh, a rally. And hey, those damn Democrats are bad. <laughs> like, like, yeah. These bastards. <laughs> like, yeah. But he, but he understood. Like, okay, you know what? This person, I'm gonna ask of this. This group, I'm gonna say this type of thing. In a sense, you know, I, there's complexity in that. It's not like, all right, everybody has to cut their hair, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> only this dress. <laughs> When it came to the details that didn't matter, Jesus doesn't talk about any of them. No, not at all. He doesn't. He doesn't talk about the clothes you wear. He doesn't talk about your. He doesn't talk about fashion. No, at never all. heard fashion, Jesus. No. <laughs> what would Jesus wear? 
Honestly, yeah. not a lot, probably. No. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't tell women that they can't wear makeup or jewelry yeah. or anything like that. These are all Pauline things, and that, that's exactly that goes right. back to our point where yes. we're saying these Christians are following Paul, and, and and you can make the argument Paul is saying he's getting his stuff directly from Jesus. I am going to say no. I say no. Also, <laughs> that's a no. That's a you made that up yourself. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that Paul is has made up most of the things that we have <laughs> in, in his epistles and things like that, that he's just made it up. And, yeah, and of course they don't have any strong correlation to the, to the four gospels. Oh. Jesus or, or Paul, I think he quotes Jesus maybe twice. Yeah. Like paraphrases Jesus. Yeah, you exactly. Um, Peter's the leader of the church, but Paul is trying to usurp him. Yeah. And, you know, they have disagreements and falling outs and things like that. And for the most part, most people just don't get along with Paul. Yeah, you know? of course. <laughs> they just don't, yeah. you know. <laughs> he doesn't prove to be the most likable fellow. <laughs> it sounds like I'm talking shit about Paul, and I'm, no, I'm actually no, not. Just, no. I actually think Paul was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Paul is extremely important to Christianity, to the pr promotion and the, you know, yeah. and... and the, the individual listeners with their own beliefs can can decide whether that's sure. a good or a bad thing or 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 what. But um, if if you're just uh, talking about Paul as a Christian missionary, he's extremely successful and he does a, a great job. But he does so in probably not promoting a lot of the things that Jesus actually said or did or taught. Yeah, yeah. But just Paul's own spin on 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 it all and yeah that's fine until the moment you say that the bible's inerrant and yeah, everything yeah. that paul says is you know the whatever you want to call it the gospel truth or, sure or whatever yeah. you know it's just like well i mean if you want to say that an extreme zealot who was probably half crazy i mean honestly right, of course yeah no, honestly, and I'm yeah. not saying that to to be derogative. I, I just think that Paul was that kind of a zealot that that if you were to meet him today, he'd have yeah. very few followers. No doubt about it. <laughs> no doubt about it. Of course. Well, nutty, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> most of the people who were following Paul's teachings probably wouldn't like Paul if they met him. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I'm making some big assumptions here. But let's but, be honest, though, man. A lot of people, if Jesus was in, around in the flesh, a lot of people wouldn't like him either. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's true. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but I but think being I, nice I, to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the difference is that Jesus, he he's he, he's almost anti-dogma. I, you know what? That's a good point. And, and Paul. Paul is hmm. all about creating a dogma, you know. That's very profound, actually. I don't think I ever thought about it that way. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds it, weird it, to say, though. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but, but if Jesus was so dogmatic, then he wouldn't leave a lot of room for complexity. That's true. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. It would be cut and dry. On a lot of yeah. things, yeah. There, there wouldn't be, yeah. It, it, there wouldn't be a lot of mystery to it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but the the fact that we have you know probably a billion and one different Christian sects, yeah. you know, who, who who all have a different spin on who Jesus was, right? And is and dot and means. and believe it wholeheartedly. Like yeah. there's no backing down. Yeah. yeah. That speaks to the complexity and the anti-dogma, you know, way in which Jesus taught. So I told you I've been writing this thing about yeah. the Bishop Canty or whatever. Anyway, yes. I was just, uh, so I've been working on this script. And, you know, once I get to the editing process, I'll see what goes in and what doesn't. But uh, some of the conversation I was just writing about recently was um, kind of about this idea about how um, it, Jesus, he seems to be trying to free the, the religion from its constraints. And we see that symbolically play out with the renting of the um, temple yeah. uh, shroud or, or whatever. Sorry, words are sometimes tricky for me. <laughs> but... Um, that is uh, symbolic of God being freed from the constraints and the prison, basically, that was the temple. Yeah. And now, now symbolically, he's, he's now, now, God, now God's for everyone, and you don't need to go through the high priest and, and, That's right. That's in there right. and everything. So, so what happens almost immediately after we get... Um, people like Paul who call themselves teachers, even though Jesus himself said, don't call yourself a teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they take upon themselves the mantle of rabbi and, um, and, and, and leader of the, of the church that they are creating because Jesus didn't create it. So now they're creating the church. Um, and then they create this new prison for God. And that is the written word. Yeah. So God is freed from his prison of the temple and immediately is put inside a new prison, which is the inerrant Bible. The ludicrousy of that, when you go back and you actually listen or read what Jesus is really saying, is, is, is just baffling. It is baffling. It's just baffling that anyone would think that Jesus, I mean, just read the Gospels and find a place in which Jesus is ever even hinting at the, that there will be a book that will tell us everything we need to know and, 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 and that we should never, you know, think or do anything that would be contrary or outside right. of said book or collection of books as as the case is i mean that's a preposterous thing to think if you actually read what jesus yeah. teaches which is in many ways like you said i've always read it this way is it is a a freeing i use i didn't i never thought about like anti-dogmatic but it's like okay hold on here guys hold on i have something to tell you we're going to change this. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to free you from the tightness, from the rigidity, from what you have been thinking about this. 
and we're going to simplify but make it complex. That's I was how what I was like, oh, I get it now. I get this. I get this. This is why oh. you're here. Yeah. Don't don't misconstrue this with any kind of Nazism or anything like no. that. But um, but but what I want to say is that if Jesus were here, so it, originally we had the renting of the the temple uh, uh, shroud or veil. Uh, today maybe that would come in the form of the burning of the Bible, you know, just like yeah. the destruction of the Bible itself, and saying yeah. I'm freeing God from the constraints yeah. that you've put on Him by trying to say that he can only be found in this book. Yeah. It, it seems completely anti what Jesus was trying it to does, teach doesn't us. It? I mean, it's like, if you really dive in and see, you're like, oh, that's just always what I thought about. I was like, oh, this is the purpose. But then like, and any church, most of the churches I've been to or people are talking, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How could like, it's like this this real big issue with disagreeing with it. You just can't disagree. I'm like, of course I can. <laughs> like, yeah. A lot of people aren't given that freedom and how they're taught about it. It's like, no, you have to stay in this lane. And so in this lane, this means that you will not allow these. And then you, you start excluding people because of it. You start ex excluding other ideas and other religions or, or practices. And so, nope. And it's like, wait, 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 there's other good thoughts to have here. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> there are other good thoughts here. This idea of the Bible being the inerrant word of God um, is so ingrained in the psyche yeah. of especially the Protestant Christian. Yes. Um, yes. That whenever I show that Paul was wrong about something, and I show, I don't show it outside the Bible, yeah. I show it inside. Right. And I'm very careful about that. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not telling you that Paul's wrong because of anything written outside sure. of the, uh, the scripture. But I can show you how Paul was wrong just by referencing the Bible itself. And it's very, it's not, it's not tricky. Right. It's not mysterious. Right. It's not like, oh, but this, no, it's, it's actually just Paul was just, he was very clearly wrong about such thing. But I, I say it to say, you should see the fear yeah. in people's eyes when I show them the concern that they have. And I'm just like, no, Paul was just a guy. It's just a guy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you made it too simple. <laughs> <laughs> you made it too simple. <laughs> but he, but he's just a guy. He's, a he's right about some things. He's wrong about yeah. some things. He's a man of his time. I mean, he makes some claims that are so outlandish that they can only be believed by a by a very primitive mind. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand years later, you you just can't, in good conscience, believe what Paul is selling. You just yeah. can't buy it. <laughs> you know, I mean. He's just saying things that are just objectively false. Objectively, they're not. Up, they're not, not really up for debate. Up for debate. No, it, no, you know. No, and you see within the Bible itself, and we don't have to go to the Old Testament. We stay right there in the New Testament, and we see that James, which is a great epistle, probably the best epistle in the entire New Testament. That's just my opinion. Other people yeah. can have their own favorites. I actually love James. Yeah, yeah. 
But if you're talking about an epistle that actually lines up with the teachings of Jesus, go to the epistle of James. Mm -hmm. And it's not a coincidence that the epistle of James reads like a response to Paul. It's like, mm, actually, Paul's wrong. <laughs> And if James is written by the James who, who was the literal brother of Jesus, mm -hmm. that's up for debate. That's not, sure, sure. That, that, you know, but if that's true, then the epistle of James is being dictated or written by somebody who walked and talked with Jesus himself during his own lifetime, was there to hear the actual teachings of Jesus, much, a much more trustworthy source yes. than Paul. Yes. And you think just how convoluted things have gotten where you have so many different different versions of Christianity where like, like I'm watching this one thing and it's like the guy literally just says, I will never get my theology from a woman. I'm like, yeah. that shit's made up. Like you just, you literally just made that shit up. <laughs> Paul, this is a fun fact. Paul worked with women. Yeah. There were female deacons, deaconesses. Yeah. You know? I don't know how much they were allowed to teach sure. or preach or anything like that. But they at least had assignments such as carrying the epistle to Ro to the, the the Romans uh to actually carry it to Rome and yeah. present it there. That was a woman who who's given this responsibility extremely important responsibility so you know at, at the very minimum we have that and and for paul to say that by the way yeah is also once again contradictory to jesus i've made this point in, in our conversations yeah. before but the first apostle of the resurrected jesus is mary no, most definitely she is the one who sent to spread the good word that Jesus has written or, or risen, sorry, mm -hmm. not a man. <laughs> exactly. <A woman>. <laughs> so for Paul to say that is completely contrary to what Jesus has done. Yeah. It's just because I hate, I know people are not going to like to hear this who are like staunchly against what we're saying, but I'm going to reiterate what you said and I'm going to double down it. It's just because they're just guys. <laughs> like they're just dudes like they're very flawed people like yeah. they're that not doesn't make them bad people i want i want to i want to no. i want to emphasize that i'm not calling paul a bad person no but they're gonna make mistakes it's just like it's it's it is they're human beings <laughs> like, yeah. and they say weird shit man <laughs> like, and, and if after two thousand years we are not better than paul no, yeah. we've been doing something wrong. Right. How disappointing would it be for Jesus to come down and be like, "What? You you still haven't you still <laughs> haven't got got past that yet?" <laughs> like, why are we work on this? We're worked up about this woman deacon uh, pastor thing. Are you serious? Are we doing this? <laughs> like... Please, nobody feel like I'm speaking derogatory about the mentally. Um, handicapped or however whatever terminology you're comfortable sure. with uh, I, i'm i'm not trying to be disrespectful to uh to a mentally challenged individual sure 
But I, I just want to make the point that uh, when somebody is mentally challenged, oftentimes they can't, you know, will compare their ability to think and reason to a certain age. Maybe they haven't progressed past what yeah. we would consider like a toddler or somebody like, you know, maybe a three or four year old or something like that. Well, that Christianity is is in that way mentally right challenged and handicapped because right. we developed yeah exactly uh because you know we're still stuck sucking our thumb you know this is gonna sound really bad we're still sucking paul's tit <laughs> but i think that's the best way i can say it. yeah and it... we need to get off that we need to get off paul and 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 progress i actually think on some level that's going to happen follow me here on this i think like the the pretty precipitous drop in church membership and decrease in in many ways christianity in america is is is, is a semi-reset that's coming i don't know what it's going to lead to but i think it may my guess would be this will be well beyond my lifetime is that it will be much more of a anti-dogmatic situation um, and that it will be very tight. And like, as my wife would say, the rabid Baptists will keep very tight in their conventions and there'll be these very tight, almost double down yeah. conservative nature of that. But on a yes. larger scale, I think it will it will be more like, OK, more spiritual, a more yeah. teachings of Jesus. But you're going to have pockets of just like hate and ultra conservative those will stay oh yeah and the more open the majority of people become yeah. the more radical yes the response will be yes yes that's america in general i think the more we push towards um being open-minded and caring about people who look different than us identify different than us there yeah. will be more radicalism because of that, in a sense. But it will not be a linear progression with that. But it, it will definitely create nasty responses from a group of people. Whether or not these politicians are sincere, I can't tell you because sure. politicians. I mean, you know? I mean, how would you even know? <laughs> <laughs> they say a lot of stuff. But I can, I can count offhand uh, at least six or eight um conservative politicians who openly verbally embrace Christian nationalism right. and no longer want a, a, a separation of church and state. Correct. The funny thing about that is it's like, but what church are you talking about? Yeah. Are you talking yeah. about the uh, Westboro Baptist church? Like, <laughs> should, should they be running government? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about Presbyterians, Catholics? Sure, I mean, yeah. what what church exactly what church? are you talking about? Yeah. Because I hear these politicians say, "I'm sick of this, you know, uh, separation of church and state, and the, yeah. the the state shouldn't be leading the church. Church should be leading the state." That's the claim that they're making. And sure. I'm just like, what church? Yeah. No, their church, the one they're at. Yeah. That's, that's what it is like. That's the answer. <laughs> like, I'm assuming they they don't mean the Mormons. I'm assuming no, they don't mean the no Seventh way. Day Adventists. I'm assuming they don't mean no. you know the the um, uh, what are they called the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. 
I'm assuming they don't mean the Buddhists or the Muslims or, you know, I'm assuming they don't mean any of them. No, it's so, the so, fundamentalists. Yeah. <laughs> just, just fundamentalist Christian. Yeah, yeah. fundamentalist yeah. evangelicals. That's the church they're talking about. Just have the balls to say it. <laughs> so whatever yeah. you want to say, the guts, whatever terminology, maybe balls isn't the best way to say it anymore. <laughs> but just have the gumption to just come out there and say it. And then I could push you. I'll give you the hand to the side and go, please stop talking. I mean, like, so is America still like 70 percent Christian? It, it's it's like it's, 60 or 70. Yeah, it's in the 60s, I think, at this point. Yeah, 60s. OK, but that. It's going diminishing. Down. Yeah, it's diminishing. It's diminishing. Yeah. So at at some point, at some point in the um uh you know the the percentage of yeah. Christians when Christians become a minority, and yeah. then because then they'll be like, we need a separation of church and state. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna need that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna need I mean, that. Yeah. Go go live in an Islamic nation and. Ask yourself if you want separation you want that? of church yeah. and state. You, know? you see what's going on with the Taliban over there in Afghanistan? You want that? Is that what I you mean, want? Look what's going on with Hamas and Israel. Exactly. You know, when, when, when you allow your religious convictions to guide your, your politics, uh, and anybody who wants this podcast to remain PG, cover your ears. Yeah. That's fucked up. That is. Completely. You're, you're ready for some fucked up shit. I agree. And look no further than what's happening with Israel and the Gaza Strip to see how fucked up the world is when you allow your religion to guide your politics. Right. Exactly. It's not like it's an agreed upon religion either. It's like it's like it's like a bunch of different stuff. And that yeah. is often and it is often whatever religious pathway that is leading a state or a country. It's actually never like fairly democratic. I mean, it's always like hammer down to the fist. You can't wear this. You can't do this. It's very punitive. It's not like it's like, oh, it's all love. It's great. Yeah. It's never that. Why is it always like the raging psychos? <laughs> like, I, I don't have an anti-Semitic bone in my body, but I am completely anti-Zionism. Yeah. 100% anti-Zionism. I don't think Israel has any right to be where they are right now. I yeah. don't think, you know, uh, Israel as a nation, uh, you know, the way that they were set up, it, 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 it Anyway, it, it's caused nothing but yeah. terrible problems. And and I'm not wishing any ill for the Jewish people. I'm I'm just not. I'm just saying the way that that's gone down. Gone down, yeah. That's what you're saying, yeah. Is horrific. And I yeah. am completely against the way that the the recognition of the state of Israel and the way that they were able to, to go in there and oppress the Palestinians there and things like that. I'm hundred percent against it. I'm yeah. not pro Hamas either. Of course. Not. I am not pro uh, violence and of, of any kind uh, in any way. Uh, but uh, the, the fact that the United States and, and other Western nations around the world continue to take Israel's side instead of Palestine's side, it, it, it all boils down to that Bible. Yeah. And if you got rid of it, 
very few people would be left on Israel's side. Man, Simon, the take master. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. You never cause me any problems, Simon. <laughs> it's been a very joyful experience that I'm always excited that continues. I have a lot of gratitude for our relationship. And uh, that's definitely one thing Jesus is all about, man. Gratitude, caring for people, being there for others. You've been there for me. And you've been a great person to knock around some pretty interesting ideas. Um, this this podcast and, is a percolator, you know, percolator, of, of ideas, yeah. you know, yeah. we're, just, we're yeah. just, we're just like, we're starting with something and we're roasting it and then we're seeing what roasting comes it, yeah. out the other side. Like you Simon's know, bread. He sent me a picture yeah. of his bread he's made. He's pretty amazing. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I'm working on it. I man. mean, that I, bread I, looks good. I'm a big bread guy, man. So I was like, man, I need that bread. <laughs> like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody at the gym today and, and I've been trimming down and, and they were, they were yeah, saying, you man, like you're it, looking, man. yeah, well, they, yeah, thanks. And they were just saying, yeah, you're looking good. And I was saying, you know, I've been doing it, eating bread every day. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was saying that for their benefit. That's exactly right. I could see that they were wanting to like, how are you doing it? Yeah. It's like, you don't have to go extreme. And you know this. I know, you know? this, of course. Just yeah. kick out all the extreme ideas that anybody's Extr throwing at you find a well-balanced <laughs> life isn't that life in general <laughs> like, yeah. kick out all the extreme ideas in life. Any, anytime somebody comes at you with some extreme idea just just kick it out just kick, just it, kick out. it out yeah, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's paul or if it's some new you know TikTok nutritionist yeah, just, or whoever it just is just kick it just, out just yeah just kick it out there's <laughs> so much no just do that well yeah. and that's what you know you and I, you know, we have some hot takes and yeah. we appreciate it. And and that, that's, that's right. the thing. It's like you and I might be wrong about some of the sure. things that we say on this show. Totally fine. I'm wrong all the time and I learn I'm wrong and of I course. do better, you of know, course. and I and I change constantly. My ideas change. And, yep. and if that weren't the case, I'd, I'd still be saying Paul is, you know, sure. <laughs> is yeah. perfect. Yeah. Kick but out those I extreme ideas, young. people. Yeah. <laughs> But I, but I just wanted to return that uh, gratitude to you where it's like, man, and I know we talk about this a lot, but just it, we can never express gratitude enough. And the gratitude I have to be able to come on your show mm -hmm. and just be able to give all my little hot takes. Love it, man. And, and, and you love it. You appreciate it. You, you reciprocate and, and we're able to have an intelligent conversation. So once in a while we disagree on something and once in a while we, you know, whatever. Good. And, 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 and we respect the other person's, uh, ability to, um, uh, make mature and, uh, well thought out, yeah. uh, you know, uh, observations of, of, of things and, and, Most and definitely. We should all be able to do that. Yes. You just all be, and, and I think yes. Jesus is a great example of that. And I think if people go back and read your gospels mm -hmm. and, and look for that in Jesus, yes. look for his ability yes. to disagree without condemning. Well said. Very well said. Simon, always a pleasure, man. We will be back <laughs> again as usual. Thanks, Simon. All right. See you soon.